Good morning. <laughs> According to Jesus, I was an adulterer. Before I had even been with anyone, I was guilty of adultery. The high-speed internet of the university mixed with some brand-new software to share pictures and videos made me completely wrapped up in addiction to inappropriate material online. Me, as a follower of Jesus, I was racked with questions when I heard this passage. As I would continue to have conversations with God, promising God, this was the last time, I promise, only to fall flat on my, failure, flat on my face in failure again. Jesus' words were really, really clear. Anyone who even looks at a woman with lustful intent is guilty of adultery in their heart. How could I, a follower of Jesus, objectify women to gratify my own desires? How could I say one thing and have a shameful, hidden life? I found internet pornography, the talons of addiction that gripped my heart. My heart so desperately wanted to be changed again by Jesus. I thought, how could I let this happen? How could I continue? How could I stop? But the biggest question that was in my heart was, how can I follow Jesus, really follow Jesus in my heart with both my eyes and my heart? When it comes to lust, statistically speaking, even in the church, about 70% of us right here and now struggle with it. And yet it's so shameful that we don't talk about it. We don't talk about physical intimacy. We don't talk about uh, emotional affairs at work. We don't talk about online viewing. And yet Jesus does. So we're going to ask the question today, how do I follow Jesus with my eyes and my heart? Because it is something that we all struggle with. Maybe for you, it, it's not online viewing. Maybe for you, it's uh, romance novels of reading certain books and certain stories that have inappropriate content. Maybe for you, it's that emotional affair, affair at work that uh, there's someone that when they just look at you, you can just kind of brush your hair back, assuming you have hair. <laughs> you brush your hair back and you giggle because you feel a little bit more important. But you know deep down in your heart that it's a little bit more than that. Maybe for you it's an inappropriate conversation online that's outside the boundaries of what you would want everybody to know about. Or maybe you have a friend that struggles. In this day and age of Tinder and Bumble and Hinge and Netflix and Chill, we are bombarded with casual hooking up. But I have to tell you, Jesus is more concerned about what's going on in your heart. I know that culturally even, this is a touchy subject. 
This is a touchy subject culturally, and, and I want you to know in preparing this message, there's a ton of prayer. Uh, we simply look at when Jesus saw the crowds, Jesus spoke on this to men, women, and children. And so we're just going to peer into the conversation of what Jesus says today. Jesus would never have a shameful conversation. Now, Jesus would never uh, embarrass people uh, intentionally and, or inappropriately. So we're, we just lean into Jesus' conversation today and listen. So Jesus talked about it, so we talk about it. And we at Fellowship, we are very sensitive. This message has gone before our leaders. The manuscript has gone before our children's ministry workers and our community pastors for feedback to make sure that we don't say anything that's inappropriate or outside of what God says in his word. And we know culturally, different cultures are, have different comfort levels of talking about this. So know that a lot of care has gone into this. But also know that the culture around you the culture around you, the culture around your kids, uh, it is everywhere, is it not? You, you watch a, a TV series on Netflix and all of a sudden you go, whoa, wait a second. Whoa, that's an, an assault to my eyes. Or you walk down the street and, and someone needs to put on a lot more clothes. Or maybe it's that person that you see, the conversation that you have, uh, our hearts are constantly swayed. You see, this is a challenge. And if you have kids in here, I know that our, our tween ministry, our in-between children and youth ministry, uh, that there are, are some kids here and some teenagers here. Parents don't feel awkward, and teens don't feel awkward, because let's face it, the statistics show the average age of first exposure to inappropriate content online is not age 13. It's not 12, it's not 10, it's nine years old. Nine years old. So if you have someone in your life that's over the age of nine years old, the chances are about 95% that they are already exposed to it. In fact, uh, even younger in countries that don't have filters, like here. And even with filters, there's no way we can filter out these desires in our heart and struggling with lust. And so I'm going to share with you some helpful truths in God's Word. And these aren't just uh, abstract truths. These are ones that I have found profoundly remind me of the change that Jesus makes in my heart. The first truth is about directing your drive. Growing up in church, all I heard as I was a follower of Jesus was when it came to lust or inappropriate thinking or viewing inappropriate things online was just don't do it, all right? Don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Or stop doing it, stop doing it, stop doing it. In fact, physical intimacy, you shouldn't do anything. Teenage boy with hormones that are raging, just ignore it. Yeah, right. Everything, and even the church would say, no, you know what, teens, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, and when you're married, don't talk about it. No, that's, God's word tells us to direct our drive. In fact, the Bible is really clear. Husband plus wife plus physical intimacy equals good. It equals good. 
Physical intimacy is good. I remember at Creekside, our other location, uh, two weeks ago, there was a, a younger teen in the first row right here, and I said, physical intimacy, husband plus wife plus physical intimacy equals good. And he goes, wow. <laughs> so the first time he heard it, it's good. And we know it's good. Otherwise, we wouldn't struggle. We know it's good when we're engaged in physical intimacy. Chemicals go off in our heads. Serotonin, the happiness chemical. Dopamine, the motivation chemical. Oxytocin, the bonding chemical. All goes off in our brains. Magnitudes higher than in any other activity. It's good. God made it good. And single life plus being celibate equals good. A lot of times in churches, the church may communicate that the only way to true happiness in life is to be married. Why are you laughing? <laughs> but actually, the Bible is really clear. Husband plus wife plus physically together equals good. But it's also equally clear that single life plus celibate equals good. Now, the husband plus wife plus celibate equals not good. And single life, or acting like you're single plus physically together equals adultery. To be physically intimate with someone that's not your spouse is adultery. The Bible's really clear. It protects uh, the marriage uh, of husband and wife. Proverbs 5 says to drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets? No. Let them be for yourself alone and not strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. A lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman? Why should you be intoxicated with a forbidden woman? And embrace the bosom of an adulteress. For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. That's why Jesus says, hey, everybody, you've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. He's referencing the seventh commandment and the tenth commandment of uh, don't commit adultery and also do not covet your neighbor's wife. The Hebrew scriptures protect marriage very clearly. The consequences of adultery was death, and a woman who was even promised to be married in terms of adultery, she was considered to be married uh, until they were actually married and actually physically together. Now, women were protected in the scriptures more than the culture even when it came to accusations. So that's why Jesus says, as it was said, do not commit adultery. He says, you know what the Hebrew scriptures say. The Hebrew scriptures say, uh, husband plus wife plus physical intimacy equals good. Anything else equals not good or adultery. So the first uh, truth that we hear today is to direct your drive. Direct your drive to your current spouse. Uh, show of hands, who's married in here today? If you're online, just put your digital hand up. That's fine. Who's married here? I said not who's happily married, just who's married, all right? <laughs> who's married? Okay, it's sad that more hands went up after that. 
All right. Uh, if, if you are watching online with your spouse or you're here or you're in platinum seating, if you're watching online with your spouse, husbands, I want you to look over at your wives. I want you to direct this God-given drive to your wife. I just want you to look over at your wife and say, honey, you look good. All right, go. I love, to, I love to see this. All right, now wives, if you're here with your husbands, wives, look over at your husbands, like, mm, you are a handsome man. All right, wives, go. That's completely natural. You didn't know that was in the Bible, did you? <laughs> Yeah, it's completely normal, completely natural. It's the way God has designed us to work. And we shouldn't be ashamed of that. Now, if you're single, if you're not married, and you're engaged in physical intimacy, well, then you need to direct your drive to your future spouse and cease doing anything right now until you are married. Or to uh, your, your boyfriend or girlfriend, help them direct their drive to their future spouse. And if it's not you, why are you with them? That's like the biggest amen of the, of the time. <laughs> I, I think there's some conversations going to happen right over here. <laughs> All right? Because although we, we can swipe right on an app or, or uh, Netflix and chill in our, in our culture and that's accepted, I have to tell you, there's nothing casual about physical intimacy. There's no such things as simple just friends with benefits. In fact, it has dire and tragic consequences. It's even recognized in the secular world with, with psycho psychological professionals this quote by Jordan Peterson, as he's talking about that, he says, I think casual sex is a contradiction in terms. I don't think there's anything about sex that is casual. I think people are deceiving themselves badly whenever they think so. They may like to live in a 1970s Playboy adolescent fantasy, but I've never seen that work under any circumstances whatsoever. This is a, a professional psychologist. This is the, he says, I just don't see it work. It's actually a very strong union. So direct your drive. Direct your drive to your current spouse, your future spouse, uh, your boyfriend and girlfriend's future spouse. But also in Dubai, we have this thing. Have you heard about being functionally single? Have you heard that, functionally single? Like your spouse travels so much that they're really not here? <laughs> or the husband lives in one country and the wife lives in another? Do you know people like that? Yeah, that's, that's, and I did not have an appreciation for how hard that is on a marriage until over a year ago, my wife left for the United States to live in the U.S. to complete her degree. And then I realized, wow, this is really challenging. I mean, this is, this is really challenging. And so this term functionally single just would grate me the wrong way. So I want us to delete functionally single out of our vocabulary. And instead, let's use the term long distance devoted. <laughs> All right, we are long distance devoted. And this is what my wife and I have found really helpful. First, communicate daily about the little details. Husbands, if you need help to remember the little details, write them down. All right. <laughs> 
All right, just the little details. The first 10 minutes of the conversation is positive because that sets the trajectory for other, other issues uh, coming up in the conversation. Ask each other, what is one need that you have that I can meet? Address the big issues as in person as you can. No passive aggressive WhatsApp texts or leaving someone on red, whatever. No, face to face as much as you can on Zoom. All right, last one pray, trust, connect, repeat. Pray, trust, connect. Pray, trust, connect. You know the beauty of these things too? You don't have to be long distance devoted to practice them. You can just practice them face to face as well, okay? So action number one, direct your drive. Jesus says, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. Number two, learn from lust. You thought I was going to say stop lusting, huh? (laughs) No, learn from lust. Jesus says, but I say to you, I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery in in their heart. Jesus says, even looking at someone with the intent to possibly lust, you've already committed adultery. Jesus is more concerned about the inner transformation than a legalistic law. And I've done all sorts of word studies to try and find out, well, what does lustful intent really look like? Like maybe there's a loophole in there or something. That, and I have to tell you, lustful intent has, has really only two meanings. Uh, one, it's to look on something of someone else and want it for yourself. Or two, to look at something that is morally or ethically wrong or shameful. That's it. Those are the only two definitions. In Scripture, we see it in Acts 20. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. I, I didn't do that. In 1 Timothy, it says, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires. Same Greek word. 2 Timothy says, But keep away from youthful passions and pursue righteousness. 1 Peter says, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Just You've been transformed. That's not who you are anymore. And so a lot of times in a message like this, if you've been around church, uh, someone will talk about the importance of accountability, to have accountability partners, accountability software. And I have to tell you, in in my own journey, uh, I find that incredibly helpful. If you don't have an app on your phone, a computer, every digital device you own, uh, there's several. There's Covenant Eyes, which I think is the best, Covenant Eyes research that. Uh, There's also X3 Watch, which is another app. Uh, There's other ones that are coming out here. Uh, And and there's an app that you download that actually sends other people the information of what you've looked at online. Yeah. And and all of a sudden, you're like, whoa, okay, I'm not going to do that. But the thing about accountability that I found is even though I had men in my life asking me, what are your online viewing habits? What's your heart like? Are you looking at anyone lustfully? Uh, Accountability is only as good as I was honest. Accountability is only as good as I was honest. And I found that my heart was a lot more broken than I wanted to believe. Because when it comes to lust, Lust, I love the definition in this book called Unwanted. It says, lust is desire gone mad. It's this natural God-given desire that has just gone mad. He's completely trying to fulfill it in ways that are completely, completely unsatisfying. 
And I love one of the quotes from this book. It says, the reason most relationships of accountability fail is that a person attempts to regulate the behavior of another without understanding the wider story of struggles in the individual's life. If you're looking for a really good read on physical intimacy and the brokenness and how God meets that physical brokenness with healing, this is the best book I've read on that. I highly recommend it for you or your friend, okay? (laughs) It's a a great book. And I found uh, in my own journey, I found that it wasn't just hormones or, or this desire for physical intimacy that was stirring around in my heart. It was actually some childhood trauma of neglect. That I had been neglected as a kid, and I wanted to feel important. I wanted to feel seen. I wanted to, to feel noticed. And for some reason, in my warped and twisted head, the online images and videos made me feel important or wanted uh, or noticed in my head. And it was only at that point that I realized, wow, God, I, I, the only one that notices me is you, God. My, that my deepest desire is only going to be fulfilled in Jesus. So what is it for you? Are, you? are you desiring to feel noticed or important? Do you find yourself craving connection or wanting to control something because other parts of your life are out of control? Maybe you want to feel acceptable or to feel loved or you're longing for excitement or you seek healing from hurt. Whatever it is that you are longing for, the deepest longing of your heart will only be satisfied in Jesus. Only through Jesus' death and resurrection, only through a rightly connected relationship with God the Father will you truly find what you're looking for. Our hearts are desperately broken and longing for healing. There's a, a great video, that I, that, a great movie that is an artistic dramatization of this. It's called The Heart of Man. Uh, and, and we'll tell you how you can see the video in just a moment. But for now, let's just watch this preview of The Heart of Man. It's a minute and a half long. And when it ends abruptly, you'll know. If you want to watch the whole thing, then... I'll tell you how you can do that. Let's watch the preview. The best scenario I saw for myself living in the dark was to keep everything a secret. So if I kept everything a secret, no one would get hurt. One day I finally figured out how messed up I was, so I went and got help. Yeah, no. Some of us are too broken to to even think that far outside of ourselves. So a lot of us have to get caught in one way or the other. And uh, that is a great and terrifying grace. It was like taking a drug. There was this unbelievable guilt and shame uh, associated with it, but at the same time I felt this, this high. I feel this sense that something is uniquely wrong. I always felt that God was mildly disgusted Hearing that he loves me didn't really resonate because it's like when it's all said and done, he's still going to judge me. And no matter what you did to clean yourself up, to look good, to play the right parts, to say the right things, shame was always there to tell you that you're bad. And when you're bad, God doesn't, doesn't love you. He doesn't want to have anything to do with you. 
You have to earn that love. Shame is that thing that drives my compulsive behavior. I was a slave to it. That's when it clicked. Oh. If you want to watch, if you want to watch more, uh, there's a movie view in here, The Heart of Man. Uh, you want to reserve your spot by scanning the QR code. I'll walk carefully over here. <laughs> All right. So number one, uh, we find that shame is incredibly powerful. In fact, if you come here today and, and you've been struggling with this, chances are you feel like everyone's watching you. But trust me, about 70% of the people are feeling the exact same thing. It's something we struggle with. So number one, direct your drive. Number two, learn from lust. What is it that you're really longing for in your heart that only God can satisfy? Number three, as you struggle, cut it off. Cut it off. You say, whoa, that sounds a little extreme. Cut it off. Well, that's what Jesus says. Matthew 5, 29 says, If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it's better that you lose one of your members than, than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it's better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body Go into hell. Friends, the stakes are high. Jesus has so transformed your heart. He says, if anything competes with that transformation, get rid of it. And for me in my journey, when I realized that uh, I would only be truly satisfied in my relationship with God through Jesus' death and resurrection, that I needed my heart to be constantly transformed that I realized the only way forward is for me to just cut off that which distracts me. And by the way, if you're, if you're young, that's what computers used to look like, all right? <laughs> and that's what I did. I just, I just destroyed my, my computer. I had to. Because following Jesus with my eyes and my heart was more important than the computer. Cut it off. And I realized that real change leads to radical living. The real change leads to radical living. And so maybe for some of you here today, you need to take this and do the exact same thing. You need to break it. You need to throw it away. You need to go back to old school flip phones, whatever it is, that this is just too much. Maybe it's uh, with some pr prayerful uh, consideration to tell other people that you trust of your struggle. Maybe for you, it's sending a message to that person that you've been messaging online. And even though most people could interpret the messages as tame, you just tell them, hey, I, I shouldn't talk with you anymore. Maybe it's not watching that series on TV that you struggle with. Or maybe it's not reading that type of literature, whatever it is. Value your transformation in your heart as much as Jesus did to die for you to die for you. And I realized even cutting it off in, in my journey wasn't enough because I still found myself enslaved in this prison of shame. Satan having his, his thumb just right on my life reminding me, what a failure you are, Bill. You say this, but you're having this huge secret. And I have to tell you, the power is in the darkness. When it comes to shame, 
There's this hesitancy to say, okay, I'll just, I'll just stop doing that, but no one else needs to know. I have to tell you, you don't have to be imprisoned by shame. You don't have to be terrified by being embarrassed. And I have to tell you, even though uh, I've shared this message several times, every time I talk about my own struggle, it's shameful. It's embarrassing. I, I, I wish I could tell you something else, but I have to tell you, above all, as shameful as it is for me to share, I, I take great solace in the fact that Jesus nailed that shame to the cross and that shame is dead and that new life has been raised with Jesus. Looking to Jesus, Hebrews 12 says, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Jesus has despised the shame. That shame, that guilt, that, that all died with Jesus. Do you believe that you are really forgiven by Jesus? Then you can walk in his freedom. And I knew in part of my journey that, that a part of that puzzle was that I had to share with my fiance, Darby. I had to share with my fiance about my addiction to internet pornography. I knew I had to share that with her and I was so embarrassed and, and so ashamed and I have to tell you what, I have learned so much about shame from two sources, the Bible and Discovery Channel's Shark Week. Really, have you, have you seen that? Discovery Channel Shark Week is, is when the Discovery Channel, they go and they swim around with some of these massive monsters that all the other fish are terrified of. And the cameraman uh, who records Shark Week was asked one time, uh, How do you, what do you do when you see a great white swimming right towards you? What would you do if you saw a great white swimming right towards you? Pray. Yes, you'd pray. And then, then you probably want to swim away. The cameraman says, you know, your first inclination is to swim away. But what you're supposed to do is swim right towards that monster. You swim right towards the shark. And there's something in the shark's brain that goes, whoa, wait a second. Everything around here usually goes away from me. The fact that you're going face to face with me, I'm out of here. Whoosh and they leave. The same is true for shame. Swim right towards the shame in Jesus' name. Swim right towards that shame. You're going to be so embarrassed. You're going to think, no, I shouldn't do this, and what's at stake, and this is... Don't listen to that. Swim right towards the shame, because Jesus has nailed that shame to the cross, and it's dead with him, and there's always hope of new life. So direct your drive, learn from lust, and cut it off. I have to tell you that, that Jesus, even though he was perfect, he was without sin or mistake, Jesus was spat on, he was hit in the face, he, his clothes were stripped off, he was mocked and insulted. Jesus died a guilty man's sinful death in your place so that you could swim into the shame and walk in his light. And so with a lot of prayer and a ton of fear, I did that with my fiance, Darby. I came to her and I said, I just have to tell you that I've been looking at inappropriate images online and I'm really embarrassed. I'm really ashamed. And she could have had a bunch of very godly and appropriate responses, anger, uh, not talking with me, uh, tears. 
And, and all she said was, well, thank you for telling me. I'm, I'm going to go process this and pray. She came back the next day, and she just handed me a piece of paper. And the piece of paper was an illustrated Bible verse. I still have it to this day. It's faded after uh, 23 years or so. And, he, and I scanned it so I could share it with you. She handed me this piece of paper that says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy, think of such things. She knew as a forgiven sinner that she could forgive this sinner. All in Jesus' name. I encourage you, there is hope and light with Jesus. And, and the, the story, I can't write this story, it's what God has already done, and some stories uh, are tied up neatly in a bow like that. Other times, they're incredibly um, complicated and challenging, and, and my story isn't your story. God has a different story for you to share someday, but uh, I know because it's so complicated, I've asked Dr. Amy Kellogg to come up here. Dr. Amy Kellogg oversees our Compass Ministry, uh, our, our comp a whole Compass Ministry, and Amy, come, come share with us. Uh, I've asked Amy to come on, just help us to process through when things get really complicated, uh, when we do decide to, to uh, swim into the shame, what are, some, what are some ways that we can process that? Yeah, sure. Thanks, thanks for bringing this topic up. I think um, it's really important, I think, that we do talk about this because a lot of people I know that come to see me or um, who come to Compass are, are struggling with these kinds of things. And one of the things we want you to know is that you're absolutely not alone. Um, and that, that this is uh, actually, there's power in being able to come alongside someone, even just like in your story or, or in many people's stories. Um, we have support groups that go on. We have groups of people that actually uh, create this safety and this ability uh, for us to come as we are and kind of say, hey, this is what I'm going through and receive um, the grace and the, the love and the, um, just the safety that comes with that. And that's actually so powerful in breaking shame in this, uh, in this area. And so we want to offer as Compass just an opportunity for you to reach out and say, hey, I might like some more information about this. I'm, I'm feeling stuck. I'm not really sure what to do next. Um, whether it's for you, whether it's a, a person that's close to you. And, and the way we, we, we've done that is on the app. If you have the app, if you don't have it, come, you know, download it. Uh, but, or the website. You can go and you'll see a button here. It's on the screen, I think. This is respond to um, Pastor Bill's message. And if you click on that, there's, um, there's just a few options for you to go through. And so there are options to say, hey, I'd like more information about a support group that I could be involved with. There's one for men. And there's one for women. And women, this is an issue for women as well, for us too. In fact, this is something that is, it almost feels doubly shameful, I think, for women. Sometimes we sort of think, oh, well, that's, that's just a, a struggle that guy, the guys have. And actually, women, we, we struggle with this as well in various ways. And it's often, I, I have women coming to me, and it's, it's deeply shameful sometimes to admit that we struggle as well. And so we want to create um, safe spaces for women to reach out as well. You can just click one of these, uh, you know, just for more information. You're not signing up for a group. But if you'd like to know, it's just one step that you can take. Um, another thing is for spouses, and so part of this is, you know, this area of sexual brokenness, of lust, of all of us often wreaks havoc in marriages, 
And you may be a spouse that's struggling to work through this or forgive or, um, or your relationship is, 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 you know, is damaged. There's, there's broken trust. And if that's you and you would like some help with that, we've got a support group starting for women uh, and, and even for spouses that, that, um, that might be going through this. So just let us know if you would be interested in, um, in some of that. Also, parents... I'm parents, parents of parents. As I was mentioned, the, the age that kids are exposed is getting so young, it is, it is shocking, right? And as parents, we're often, we can't keep up with all of the things that we have to keep up with in order to stay on top of that, or we don't know how to talk with our children or protect them in, in many ways to all the things throughout every day that they have to say no to. Um, and, and that early exposure creates much more uh, prevalence of addiction. And so we need to talk about this as parents, whether that is through uh, a workshop or a support group, if you're already maybe realizing that your children are kind of stuck in this area. And so if that's something that's of interest to you as well, you can tick that. Um, it's, we've got the Heart of Man movie, which I highly recommend. Just if you want to learn and, and think through more of this, it's a, it's a beautiful film. It's a tough film sometimes, and, and uh, some parts of it. And, and it just really, but it really brings to life our identity in Christ and this, and this grace and this, and this way through the shame. It's a beautiful film about that. And so, so please come see if you're not quite sure. That's a great way to, to start. That's next week at two seasons. It's going to be here in this room. It's going to be at 3 o'clock. Um, but if you scan the code, you'll see um, the timings for that. We'll show it at Creekside as well. And then finally, if, if you're sitting here going, well, I don't fit neatly into a box, or I don't even know where to start, or my story is quite complicated, perhaps there's a history of abuse, uh, perhaps there's all sorts of things to your story that make it where you just need to talk with someone and find out maybe what is the next step that I can take. We want to give you that opportunity too. So you can just let us know. Hey, could somebody reach out to me? I'd like to speak. All of this is confidential. All of this is um, through our Compass Ministry, and we really, we really are serious about the confidentiality. We really want you to feel that you have a safe place to come and reach out and talk about and share your story so that we can help you. Um, we don't want, if there's one thing I can say, it's just you are not alone. We want you to feel that you can reach out if this is something that you're finding yourself wanting freedom in. So, mm. yeah. We always appreciate your heart and the Compass Ministry's heart uh, to connect us with God's heart for us and, and for health. So yeah. can I ask you to pray for the women? And I'd love to pray for sure. the men. Sure. Father, thank you for uh, the fact that you break our shame that through the cross, Lord, that, that, is, that is nailed, it's finished. But yet we sometimes find ourselves struggling in this. And I pray especially for the women in this room. As women, we, uh, we sometimes just feel uh, just a double shame about these issues. And so I pray that you would help bring freedom to those sitting here right now who know that they need, maybe, maybe there's just been times where they've needed to stop and wanted to stop and yet, and yet keep finding themselves stuck. And so I pray that they would have the courage to step out, um, to, to find support, and to uh, have someone help walk through this journey with them to freedom. And so we thank you, God, that you do, you do give us that freedom. And I pray that the, your, the power of your cross would, would break that shame and would break that bondage. Um, in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for all of my brothers and my here in this room in platinum seating, uh, online, 
watching this message later even, Father, I, I pray that you would help us to be men that are transformed by Jesus. That we would have the courage to walk in his victory in the midst of our failures. Father, that we could break out of the prison of shame by being able to even confess to one another the struggle that there's only victory in Jesus. In fact, if you're here in the main room or even if you're in platinum seating, and if you're a man and, and you want to break through that shame and just look up, and I want to pray for you specifically. I'm going to pray for all of us who look up. If you struggle with this, just look up because I've been on the other side of these lights. I know the struggle. I see you, brother. Thank you. Yes, I see. I see, yeah. Thanks for having the courage to look up. You're not alone. Yeah. Wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see you. I see. Amen. Yeah, yep. Yep. Yeah, totally. I've, I've been there. There's freedom in Jesus. Freedom in Jesus. Freedom in Jesus. Freedom. No more shame. No more shame. No more. Freedom in Jesus. Father, I thank you for everyone who looked up, and whether it's in platinum seating, they looked up to you with their heart, or whether it's here in the main hall. And Father, we pray right now that, that you would continue to show us the transformation that is in Christ. You would show us the freedom that comes from Jesus. Father, that as we maybe have been walking with some big secrets, we know that Jesus' light destroys darkness. And so open up our hearts. Uh, let him into every nook and cranny of our hearts so that we can experience the freedom that is in Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. There are so many times when we have uh, been hiding. And so now we want to respond, Father. Just say, we, we, we give you our heart. We give you our heart. Everything that is inside of us, everything that we're trying to hide, Father, we just give you our heart. The times where we're even too scared to say anything, help us to sing this last song even, that we give you our heart, that we live for you alone. Every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake, I live for you alone. Father, we thank you for the transformation of your word, and most importantly, the transformation that comes from the death and resurrection of Jesus. And it's in his powerful name we pray all these things. Amen. Amen.